Hello, listener. I am very excited to share that we have launched our brand new globalcaptivepodcast.com website. The site features our full back catalogue of episodes, biographies and pictures of every one of our 100 plus guests with direct links to the episodes they feature in and information and contact details for our 15 Friends of the Podcast for 2020. Please do also sign up to our weekly newsletter. Just visit globalcaptivepodcast.com. But now, back to the studio. Hello and welcome to this, the sixth episode in our special COVID-19 series of podcasts. Beginning in March, we have covered the impact of the coronavirus pandemic on captive governance activity, the effect on investment strategies, and of course, international employee benefits programs. But in the next 20 minutes, I'm excited to say we are going to be mainly taking a bit of a look forward. We often hear a lot of platitudes about captives coming into their own in a hardening market and with difficult to insure risks, but I'm very hopeful that two of our friends of the podcast from Marsh Captive Solutions are going to be here to put a real bit of meat on the bones, for want of a better phrase, on that particular proposition. So Lorraine Stack, International Advisory and Sales Leader, welcome back onto the pod. Hi, Richard, and thanks very much. Delighted to be back. And Michael Sericchio, America's sales leader, welcome to the Global Captive Podcast for the first time. Hello, Richard. It's great to be here. I'm really excited about what we're going to do here today. There are really two areas I want to explore with Lorraine and Mike in this episode. The first is where we are seeing existing captive policies respond to claims in the crisis we find ourselves in today, and whether we might see an expanded role for captives to play in a pandemic-related coverage for their parents in the future. We heard in our first episode of the COVID-19 series back in March, some of the potential claims activity we might see resulting from this pandemic. We're now a few months into it, and I'm sure we're starting to see a bit more activity on that side. Lorraine, you've obviously got great insight into a wide variety of captives. So which captive lines of insurance have you started to see kind of significant claims activity uh, taking place? Sure. So, Richard, you know, captives, I guess, are a subset of the wider insurance ecosystem. So, as you might expect, what we're seeing is quite reflective of what's going on in the commercial insurance world. And particularly, I suppose, given our scale and global footprint, um, you know, around the captives that we manage around the world, we're almost like a canary in the coal mine situation. So, looking at this from sort of two aspects, one would be the data. So, what are the numbers telling us? And then the second aspect would be, well, what are the local insights? So, what are we hearing from our colleagues on the ground who are talking to clients every day? So on the data aspect, maybe, you know, how do we compare? So maybe a good place to start as an indication would be maybe to compare Q1 claims activity from 2020 to last year, same time last year, so Q1 2019. So what we've, what we've seen is that the, the total claims incurred activity across our entire book is up 8% this year compared to Q1 last year. And of course, it's very early days. Uh, and also, you know, while that itself is remarkable, when you look behind the numbers, actually, it's more interesting. So as you might expect, you know, some lines are substantially down because of a lack of commercial activity. And this is what you might expect. So GL, perhaps an auto. But if you look directly at the, at the, the, the lines that are probably most uh, directly likely to be affected, and I'm talking BI, travel, 
EB life as well. Collectively, the activity or the total claims incurred for those collectively are up 120% from last year. So that's, you know, a, a lot. And, and a lot of that is coming actually from the US, which kind of fits neatly then with what we're hearing from our colleagues, um, the, you know, local insight. So US dollar claims are coming in a lot. We're also seeing notifications elsewhere, including Asia, Asia PAC, where we, we have a um, number of captives, for instance, in Singapore, they're actually providing pandemic specific BI policies. Europe is probably a little slower, possibly a time lag due to the, the um, I suppose, to the number of reinsurance captives there. But we do expect to see more activity there. So all in all, activities up. Again, reflective of the broader experience. And I think I I read yesterday, I think that it's widely estimated that the total loss will be, COVID-related loss, uh, will be 30 to 100 billion of insured losses uh, with only about 4 billion books so far. So that's quite indicative than what we're seeing. Thanks, Lorraine. And, and are there other lines you expect to see more activity kind of in the coming months? Some some risks that maybe will be a bit of that lag. We won't see it in the market until later in the year. Yeah, well, certainly more BI, that for a start. But then there are other lines. So, so for instance, medical claims for, on the EB lines, um, employee benefits. So, you know, elective surgeries and treatments have been deferred. So it's likely that, you know, people are just not going to doctors for any or anything other than COVID related issues. So likely to see a spike there and later uh, later in the year. Same with maybe US medical stop loss where we've got coverage extending to family members. There's the workers comp and EL emanating from all this homeworking, you know, where we're, you know, hunched over laptops and in our kitchens and bunkers and whatever, garden sheds. And then, uh, you know, another area might be DNO, event-driven litigation around lack of preparedness or inadequate responses. So we definitely, you know, and DNO, as you know, is already quite a distressed market. So we're likely to see uh, increased claims there as well, I think. Yeah, absolutely, Lorraine. On that, on that DNO topic as well, we're certainly planning uh, an upcoming episode on that topic, both directly COVID-related and non-COVID-related, because it was such a distressed market even before the pandemic anyway. Now, Mike, I understand Marsh do have a specific captive product for pandemic coverage. And this was one of a few, if maybe the only ones in the market uh, prior to uh, coronavirus, from what I understand. Is this uh, new or are there captives who already had this in place prior to the pandemic? Richard, it's interesting that the insurance market has had a pandemic BI, CBI policy in place for, for many, many years. The trouble is nobody bought it. Now, I'm sure there's many, many companies and organizations around the world that wish they bought it. But captives, to the contrary, have actually been offering this coverage for, for many, many years. We've got over 25 captives in Asia, Bermuda, the US, Latin America that have actually put pandemic coverage into their captive, put BI, CBI, illness, various stages of illness coverage into their captive and have been doing this for many, many years, including hospitality, manufacturing, et cetera. But the interesting thing is that Marsh is working on a really kind of cutting edge product that will allow captives you know, across the globe to think about you know, pandemic and the effects of COVID and, and really plan for the next outbreak Hopefully we won't see that for many years, but what what we're basically doing is having a captive do some front-end assessment work to kind of really quantify from a scientific and analytical way, get their arms around their exposure, design a policy through their captive, and then most importantly is access the reinsurance market so that the captive has adequate protections. 
based on its premium, its other lines of coverage, its capital. So I think that captives are in a really unique position to really, really help the kind of the global economy out in a way that really they've never done before because COVID has really touched the lives of every single kind of person in the world. And captives, I believe, in the next few years through a product like this is going to help organizations be able to kind of pay their employees and stay in business and potentially, you know, with this access to the reinsurance market, have the protections in place that they'll need and captives will be the gateway to get that done. Yeah, Mike, you mentioned there, uh, you touched already on, on the reinsurance element on it, and I want to deep a little bit diver into that in a, in a moment. But first, what do you think organizations will need to be doing to really identify and, and quantify the pandemic risks that, that they might face themselves and the way that their business will be impacted to, to write such a policy? Sure, sure. We've been basically saying, if you think about some emerging risks of years ago, so let's let's say 20 years ago, cyber, pandemic isn't a lot you know um, different than some of those types of coverages. So really it's a new exposure so what you need to do is you really need to spend some time getting your arms around what you have from a global perspective so you need to spend the time and energy looking at your exposures looking at your trigger points looking at metrics that will allow you to predict where outbreaks will be how that will affect your supply chain how that will affect your people your real estate your revenue and to do that, we've basically partnered with a data scientist firm that helps us kind of dashboard that. So the first step is the assessment, and that's going to really drive the structure of the policy limits, the structure of the deductible or retention, the pricing, and of course, the policy form and also the, the reinsurance, which is really critical here. Because although a captive can self-insure pandemic and BI, many organizations are going to want to have that protection or that true real insurance from the reinsurance market that I think will be there. So it's going to involve some assessment work and then planning with your captive manager and then, of course, a brokerage exercise with a reinsurance intermediary. You, you touched there, Mike, on kind of obviously accessing extra capacity to, to have a really effective in, insurance program. Of course, some of the losses we're seeing, as Lorraine touched upon already, are absolutely huge for corporates. And it is almost an existential existential threat sorry, to organizations. So could we see, more, bearing in mind the reinsurance needs, Mike, could we see more involvement of the use of parametric triggers, for example, but also particularly captive-sponsored catastrophe bonds, which we've been talking about for many years. We've only really seen a handful of them happen in the past, but could we see more of those captive-sponsored uh, cap bonds and ILS deals uh, for pandemic risks? I think we could, Richard. So, you know, I think everything's on the table here. You know, there's going to be nothing that's going to be off the table from a perspective of how we can appropriately get coverage to organizations that need it, want it perhaps want to purchase it. So parametric triggers, just like you've seen for earthquake and other events, would certainly be a policy form and structure that could fit well into pandemic. It could be um, you know, triggered by the World Health Organization sort of designation of a pandemic. It could be triggered by a loss of certain revenue agreed upon in the, in the beginning. It could be a trigger of, you know, unfortunately, deaths. So that's obviously something on the table. We've just akin to pandemic, we've we've really just started to work with parametric triggers for earthquake that fits very well with captives and it also involves reinsurance. So that I do believe we'll see in the future as we will also see cat bonds. Cat bonds started traditionally with property wind, um, but then we see them kind of trickling down to things like wildfire and even cyber. 
So there's no reason that pandemic won't be able to fit into that alternative um, ILS market as well as the market sort of understands this a little bit more. I don't think it'll happen this year, but it may happen in the future years. Yeah, my understanding certainly, Mike, of that uh, ILS market is and those catastrophe pond issues for captives as they are a long-term player. They can be it can take a good year to even get those programs up and running. Just lastly, then uh, the Pandemic Risk Insurance Act, uh, otherwise known or becoming known as PREA, is in the news in the US at the moment. I know that conversations are happening within the UK government at a high level uh, with regards to Paul Re, which is the UK's terrorism pool, about the potential for a pandemic re or to even make use of the current pool restructure as it is. Those conversations are ongoing. I think we haven't got any concrete news yet. But could you see the expansion of these pools to be of use to captives in the future in the same way TRIA and Paul Ree already are? Mike, do you want to start off with the, the US perspective on this? Sure, Richard. So the Pandemic Risk Insurance Act, um, like you said, is, is some legislation that, that's sort of brewing. And I think it would be you know, very beneficial to the industry. Um, and when I say the industry, the, the global insurance industry, which of course includes captives. So although there are some, there's a lot of details to be worked out, I think that if PREA wasn't, wasn't acted, I think that you'd find that many captive owners in the U.S. would access it. And there would be similar to TRIA, there would be various triggers and certifications that would need to happen. But I think that it would be a really great way for the federal government to kind of step in and provide this backstop so that businesses could stay in business, uh, they can continue paying their employees, et cetera, and we can avoid a you know global recession. So like I said, there's details that need to be worked out. There are some language and terminology in the act that that worries me just a bit but i'm hopeful that that would be carved out and we could move forward with uh taking advantage of priya and u.s captives in the future just like many many tria captives are and lorraine on the, on the uk side what are you starting to hear and, and would you see that as being beneficial if, if there was a uh, so-called pandemic re-available that captives could join in the same way that they currently join Puri for terrorism yeah so that the Puri war chest what that's been accumulating there for like 27 years so we are as you say uh, richard we're aware of dialogue in the uk around pandemic re and of course marsh is involved um with all this local stakeholder engagement uh, and we understand as well that similar kind of dialogue is happening elsewhere around the world. You know, captives have historically acted as access points or or operate alongside these pools. So, you know, there's no doubt that captives will play a role within the UK and in future structures. And, and actually, I, I don't know whether uh, you've seen this, but um, I just read yesterday that the UK Treasury has announced a temporary reinsurance backstop for trade credit insurance. And that one is um, something that, you know, we, we spotted the right that right from the beginning that that supply chain insolvencies, you know, they're likely to, to create huge issues. So while, uh, you know, I've yet to kind of get to the bottom of that, um, it's certainly an indication of this will to create this public par- uh, private partnership to, to resolve these global issues. Yes, no, I did see that article and, and news regarding the trade credit. And I believe Germany actually put something in place about two months ago. So the Germans seem to be quite a bit ahead of the UK government on, on that side. But it's a similar backstop, I believe, regarding trade credits. Uh, so I'll, I'll put a link to those stories in the episode description. But thank you to both Lorraine and Mike for joining us on this special COVID-19 series of the Global Captive podcast. More information on both of our guests is in the episode description and also on the brand new Global Captive podcast website. So please do visit globalcaptivepodcast.com for full biographies, episode archive and back catalogue and much more information as well. Stay safe, stay healthy and see you next time, captives. Captives.